I'm Tom Perumian, KTSA News. Jack Riccardi, we have made it to the uh, end of the week. We've made it to the end of the month. And we have made it to the last day of our uh, annual uh, drive. I guess technically Monday is the last day. But we're uh, we're kind of putting the cap on our Operation Interdependence Drive here on KTSA. And, and as you may know, if you've been a listener for a while, and you may not know if you're new to our show, and welcome to our show, uh, this is something that we've worked with uh, here at the radio station for many years. Operation Interdependence is a great group that puts together care packages and sends them out to uh, our troops serving all around the world. And it's creature comforts. It's little things. It's basically like a Ziploc bag with little things sample sizes, travel sizes of toiletries, and other little, you know, creature comforts. And we ask you over the course of uh, the, uh, you know, the summer to donate at KTSA.com. This hour uh, of Operation Interdependence is brought to you by River City Rock Tops. You can go to KTSA.com right now and give or find out more about Operation Interdependence. Uh, presented by Kitchen Designs by Giovanni and in part by River City Rock Tops. Airtron, Southwest Metal, Roofing Systems, Institute for Functional Health, Window World, and Specs. So we had another Supreme Court decision announced today. It was the only one left, and this was the last day in which they could announce the decisions of this term, and it was the one about the student loan debt uh, giveaway. And uh, it didn't go the way uh, Team Biden had hoped. So when you look at this week and you look at the decisions from the Supreme Court, they didn't get their way on student loan debt forgiveness. They didn't get their way on affirmative action in college admissions. They didn't get their way on compelled speech, i.e. Uh, the Colorado cake baker kind of case, although this was a different case uh, before the Supreme Court. Basically, uh, the Democrats have had the worst week they can remember in the last seven years, not since Donald Trump won the 2016 election, have they been this consternated. I am so sorry <laughs> to my world. I am so sorry to my world. This is not what we want. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, not what they want. So sorry, world. Uh, Supreme Court ruling 6 to 3. That the Biden administration, by the way, it's interesting, they didn't say student loan debt forgiveness is a bad idea or even a bad policy. They just said, you don't have the authority to do it. The, the claim of authority under the HEROES Act is not there. And this was the result of two cases that were brought against the Biden administration's Department of Education that worked their way up uh, to the Supreme Court. So remember, last year, right before the midterms, the president came out and said, we're going to do a student loan forgiveness program, 10000 in federal student loan debt for single borrowers making up to a certain amount and married couples making up to a certain amount. And then you could, you could get up to 20000 in forgiveness if you had some other conditions. And the HEROES Act dated back to 9-11, and it was supposed to give the government latitude on student loan relief in an emergency and for active duty uh, troops. The Biden administration, I guess, squinted and turned the paper sideways and looked at it through a piece of, uh, you know, sheetrock and said, well, we think it could just apply to everybody who's got uh, student loan debt. So they they have these decisions. They went by 6-3 votes. This is the 
These are the six, quote-unquote, conservative justices, three of whom were appointed uh, in the single term that, that Donald Trump uh, held the presidency. Uh, in, in essence, I, I have to chuckle a little bit because everybody knew when Trump was filling these vacancies that it would create the kind of Supreme Court that would take these kinds of issues and take these views of these issues. So the only really grown-up thing to do, if you're the Democrats, is say, well, we gotta, we got to win the presidency and both houses of Congress and then be in position when the conservative justices like Thomas and Alito get old and retire. And... and and that's it. I mean, that's you, you just pull on your big boy pants and you you wait your turn. Our system is built this way. Our entire history is a history of a Supreme Court that has fluctuated ideologically. And if anything, it's only become more important in recent years, as we've talked about in recent days, because now the Supreme Court is basically Congress. Congress is so chicken bleep and cowardly about hot-button issues that it, it defers a lot of things to court decisions, or presidents take their chances with executive power. I'm, I, I'm quite sure there were tons of constitutional law experts who told Biden and have told every president, you can't do this, it's not in the Constitution, but Biden tried it anyway, and it didn't work, and that's it. Um, so we, I, I want to talk a little bit about the um, this Christian web designer from... Colorado. This is sort of like the cake baker case. Remember uh, the guy that wouldn't bake the cake for the same-sex wedding? This woman, Lori Smith, is a graphic designer. She does websites. And uh, she did not want to create a website for a same-sex couple because that violated her religious beliefs. She was challenging a law in Colorado that prohibits companies from restricting service based on sexual orientation, and her argument, and the argument of her uh, legal representatives, the Alliance Defending Freedom, is that when you do that, you're compelling speech. You're compelling people to express a belief. It's, it's okay for people to not want to do business. It's okay for you to turn down a, a customer or a client. And the only time it wasn't okay, arguably, was, for example, in the Jim Crow era, if a black family wanted to take a, a driving vacation, they would pass through a number of states in which there were no hotels or motels that would rent a room to a black family or a black customer. And you could argue in that instance that th there was no workaround for people in that situation. They could not find anyone to accommodate them. That is simply not the case in 2023 for a gay couple or a gay individual uh, seeking to do business with a business. There isn't anywhere in this country where you couldn't find somebody to bake you the cake, to take the photo, to design the website. You don't have to have it in your immediate area, but within a reasonable proximity to you. And so we don't need to compel the speech or the actions of somebody like this web designer. And I thought it was interesting. I kept looking at articles about this today, and every headline uh, framed it as a defeat for gay rights. I'm not sure what the gay right here, you know, here is, 
This was actually about Lori Smith's rights. This was about her right to not take the contract. No one is saying that a gay couple or a gay person doesn't have the right to buy something. And no one can argue that there isn't anyone who will sell them something. Washington Mystics player Natasha Cloud of the WNBA is upset by these Supreme Court decisions and following the trio of cases I just mentioned, um, tweeted out this morning that America is trash in so many ways because of it. Our country is trash in so many ways, and instead of using our resources to make it better, we continue to oppress marginalized groups that we have targeted since the beginning of times. She posted. I find it kind of funny. I don't want to pick on Natasha Cloud. I don't even know who she is. But I do find it kind of funny that somebody who plays basketball for a living in America would say America is trash. And how do you argue if you're a professional athlete who is living your dream and playing the sport you love in front of adoring fans and being paid to do it, how do you argue uh, that you are a marginalized person? You know, we, we are throwing around terms in this country that bear no resemblance to reality at all. And it, it, it's very telling to me. What's happened this week are three Supreme Court decisions, all of which went the way the pundits and the analysts said they would. None of these were a surprise. There wasn't a single justice who voted in a way that was unexpected based on his or her hearings or his or her uh, known uh, statements. So we've known way in advance how these were going to go. All of them were pretty clear interpretations of the law. None of them were value judgments. This isn't the Supreme Court saying, uh, yeah, you should have to pay through the nose or go into debt for college. No, Nobody's saying that. I heard the president say today that when he came out and did his reaction uh, that Republicans don't care about the high cost of student loan debt. Well, I don't think you care about it either, frankly. I mean, with all the money your family has coming in. So all this ever was, was a naked, obvious, midterm 2022 uh, election issue. He got the results. The Democrats got better than expected turnout in the midterms of 2022. They got what they paid for, if you will, with our money. And, um, you know, the voters will decide, I guess. I mean, if, if, if people really are demanding that the government forgive student loan debt, then I guess this will be a great election for the Democrats because they're going to run on this. And the Republicans need to be the voice of people who said, you know, I didn't go to college or I went and I paid my way or I don't feel entitled to other people's money. I'll, I'll figure this out. I took this debt on. I signed up. And I'll pay it off. That's what I do with my other debts, and that's what I'm going to do with this one. I, I think there's a way for both parties to really distinguish where they stand and who they're appealing to and how they react to this. And, yeah, I mean, we're going to talk about it, but definitely of these three, I think the the student loan debt one is the one that will be around with us next year in the presidential and congressional elections. And we'll talk about all this at 210-599-5555. Uh, uh, I thought this was interesting, uh, kind of flying under the radar. The House of Representatives in Michigan has just passed a bill, House 
Bill 4474, that says if you use the wrong pronouns, it is a felony with prison and a fine. If you use the wrong pronouns, that is now a criminal act, punishable by not more than five years and by a fine of not more than $10,000. The um, bill says that um, if you're misgendering or mispronouning someone, you are intimidating them. That's the word in the bill. Intimidate means a willful course of conduct involving repeated or continuing harassment of another individual that would cause a reasonable individual to feel terrorized, frightened, or threatened, and that actually causes the victim to feel terrorized, frightened, or threatened. The bill specifically mentions sexual orientation and gender identity or expression. So as I read it, it doesn't mean the first time you do it, you're going to prison. But should we be putting people in prison for pronoun use at at all? I mean, why don't we have um, why don't we just have grammar police? Why don't we just have people in prison for misusing commas or or periods or semicolons? I, I know what you're going to say. Well, that isn't as hurtful. Hurtful is the new way of describing something we don't care for. We used to just shrug off, ignore turn our backs on things we didn't care for. If you had a hard-to-pronounce name and people kept mispronouncing it, if you were a guy with long hair, I have friends with long hair, they get mistaken for women sometimes from behind in a restaurant or something. If people just made a mistake around you, you just shrugged it off. Now it's hurtful. Now it's intimidating. Now it's damaging. And now we're saying, I want the government to, to put that person away or I want the government to find that person. Do we really want to go down this road? I have to ask, because I think this is another one of those occasions when somebody has taken it upon themselves to speak for all gay people, or even all trans people. Is this really what we want to do? Is this, is this the kind of world we want to live in? This is, this is Orwell, writ large. America is trash, says the WNBA star about these Supreme Court rulings this week. But here's what the... Uh, Lieutenant Governor of Virginia Winsome Sears had to say in an interview on Fox News, cut number five. I'm curious what your thoughts are on this Supreme Court decision today. I say to you that I think it's an awesome, excellent day in America because what we now know, which is what we've always known, is that these color games doesn't work. These skin color games don't work. And what America is doing is continuing to move forward in living up to her ideals that all men are created equal. And so what I'm saying is what everybody has been saying, judge us based on our achievements, not on our skin color. Mm -hmm. And that's what Dr. King has been saying, has said, and how could that be so controversial? Now I did hear our presidents uh, decide that he believes something differently, but this is the same man who both he and Kamala Harris said in April of 2021 on ABC News and Today, respectively, that America is not a racist country. And those of you who care can Google that because that's exactly what they said. And by the way, this is the same president who said that black kids were interested in the golden hairs on his leg. I mean, this is the way that they view people who look like me. And it's time for it to stop. So I'm very glad for this day. 
210-599-5555. That's Winston Sears, Lieutenant Governor of Virginia. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think what you basically have seen this week is what people expected in terms of the uh, the constitutional principles, but also the makeup of the Supreme Court right now. And uh, I, I guess there's two ways you can go with this, or maybe you can do both of these things. I guess the Democrats can run next year on expanding the Supreme Court or reforming it with re- mandatory retirement ages or something like that, or or you can say, well, we're just gonna we're gonna run on getting uh, you know enough control of both houses of Congress and retaining the presidency. You know, if the Democrats retain the presidency for the next four years, 2025 to 2029, then they have a reasonable expectation of at least one Supreme Court vacancy during that period of time. And uh, Because Biden had one, but it was one in which a liberal justice resigned or retired, and he replaced him with another liberal justice. So if they want game-changing appointments, they have to stay in office, they have to control the legislature, they have to commit to it. Or, like I said, they can go for the, hey, we're going to change the Supreme Court itself. It shouldn't just be nine. It shouldn't be people that are there for a lifetime appointment. Um, And I think think it's going to be interesting to see how the two parties run uh, on the student loan thing and on the affirmative action uh, thing. In other words... Now that the Supreme Court's uh, Supreme Court has decided, now this will go back into the arena of people running for president and people running for Congress. And again, the Democrats obviously have staked themselves to people that are hurting and struggling to pay their debts, and the Republicans can stake themselves if they're smart to people that are working and paying their debts and don't want to bail somebody else out for that. 210-599-5555. Tim is on the Jack Riccardi Show on KTSA. Tim, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jack. Hey, I wanted to bring uh, to the attention of your listeners, if anybody caught something that I caught with these decisions, and that is Katanji Jackson, uh, the one that Biden appointed. Um, isn't it interesting that when that uh, uh, became available, that seat, that the first thing Biden said was, I'm going to put a woman in there and it's going to be a black woman. And so forget qualifications, forget intelligence. She got in there because of that. And so when she was grilled, if she could define a woman, she couldn't do it. And so when this comes to the uh, the vote that she voted on about uh, affirmative action, she actually voted for color to get into school. The very thing that got her on the Supreme Court. Is that not ironic or not? Um, is it ironic that she would defend affirmative action when she benefited from affirmative action? Well, yeah, because I'm thinking, well, she was maybe making a new start, say, well, it's a new beginning. We're going to go back and it's intelligence because I'm a smart woman and I got in here because of my intelligence, not because of my color. And that she would maybe hopefully try to change things to go. Mm-hmm. This let's do affirm. You know, let's not do the affirmative action. Let's do it by the. Uh, well, as you say, character. Tim, as you say, it was actually when he was running for president that Biden promised when he got a vacancy it would yeah. be an African American woman. So he, what he did, right. it, it, I, I don't really know enough about her to know. She may be a very smart person. I don't know, but um, what he did when he said that as a candidate was he demoted her because it meant that when she was chosen people would assume it was for her skin color, not because she was qualified. So in case she really is qualified, 
Her pal Joe Biden made sure no one would think that, no one would know that, because he pre-labeled her appointment as an act of affirmative action. I don't, I don't, I'm not surprised that she would defend affirmative action. Maybe she sees herself as a beneficiary of it. What I think is more interesting, uh, is the attacks on Clarence Thomas for opposing the policy. Uh, of college, uh, you know, race-based college admissions, because in that instance, uh, the left called him out and said, well, he's a hypocrite. He should be defending affirmative action. He's only there because of it. He only made it. He only succeeded in the law because of it. That is a fairly sweeping thing to say, you know? I mean, I, I, I may know people that I think benefited from affirmative action, but it is something else to say that this man who has this resume and had these experiences and certainly had the qualifications and was appointed and confirmed uh, by members of both parties when he was appointed by President Bush, uh, it, it's really something. And, and as one of the senior members, or maybe the senior member of the court at this point, it's really something to say, well, he's only there because of affirmative action. I, I, I guess to me... I'm glad I'm on the side I'm on because the people defending affirmative action just sound like big-time racists. You know, they come out and they say stuff that basically could be paraphrased as, if you're black, you won't make it without affirmative action. That's what they sound like. I mean, I know no one literally said that, but that's basically what they're saying. That's a terrible position to take. I'm so glad I don't have to defend that. Dylan Mulvaney is upset with Bud Light. And that means now everyone is. <laughs> Dylan Mulvaney is the reason other people got upset with Bud Light. So Dylan Mulvaney is the trans TikToker that had the can, the gift can, and went viral, ooing and eyeing over the can. And drinking Bud Light with the opera gloves on, you know, the way we all do. And um, it led to this incredible, unprecedented backlash where the right finally did something that we thought only the left did, which was boycott a product and drive its stock down and, and, and hollow it out in the tune of tens of billions of dollars in uh, value, Anheuser-Busch. So... Dylan Mulvaney is angry that Bud Light didn't stand by him when there was this backlash against their partnership. Now, remember, it came out in the in the over the course of days. They weren't going to sell these cans in the stores, they said. They just made one. They just sent Dylan the one. I don't know if I believe that, by the way. I think I think I can't prove it that there were going to be cans and it was going to be retailed maybe in certain areas because there'd be no there'd be no apparent value in promoting a can design that no one would ever see i mean if you if you promote a collectible can or a limited edition can or a seasonal can it means hey everybody you're going to be seeing this soon no one's ever seen a one can promotion but okay they said, we, we, we were only making one can, and we sent it to Dylan. Maybe Dylan misunderstood, or maybe other people misunderstood, but that's all it was ever going to be. And we have a lot of partners, and we make a lot of partnerships, and this is just one of them. And 
so this whole thing turned into a boycott that's been going on since April, and you've heard the numbers. I won't run through the numbers. Well, now Dylan Mulvaney says, for a company to hire a trans person and then not publicly stand by them is worse, in my opinion, than not hiring a trans person at all. And, you know, Dylan has a point. I know, you're shocked, but Dylan has a point here. What Dylan is saying, I think, is that they used Dylan, and they did. It's the same thing they do when they change the logo to rainbow colors for the month of June. Or they um, claim to be, like when a product like an airline or a spaghetti brand claims to be gay-friendly. How the hell can spaghetti be gay-friendly? How can an airline be gay-friendly? Does it fly gay? Does it, the planes perform differently? I mean, what, what, what are you even talking about? I mean, sex is a personal trait. A company doesn't have a sex or sexual preference. That's insane. What it really is, it's not just insane, what it really is is it's pandering. It's using people. It's, it's, it's playing their emotions. It's getting people all stirred up and creating a false sense of loyalty that the company doesn't really plan on doing anything with but just, you know, getting a short-term hit. So... I think what Dylan Mulvaney is saying today is is correct, believe it or not. Mark the tape, I probably never said this before, but they did hang Dylan out to dry. They did. And they do it all the time. I've been saying this for a long time. This is, this is a, an old, old, old trick. And not only do companies do it, but really the modern left does it. They will take a cause or a group and champion that group until they are ready to champion another group. And then they drop you like a used paper cup, and it feels terrible. Nobody likes to be dropped, rejected, forgotten, discarded. Especially when you felt like you were the most important group or person or gender or whatever. But that's what they do. That's what they did. And, uh, well... Now, now they get so they've they've tasted the wrath of their own customers. Maybe now they will taste the wrath of the people they thought they were seducing. I would love to see that happen, Anheuser Busch. Uh, Brad Palumbo wrote a guest column in the New York Post. As a gay man, I don't see the Supreme Court's ruling as infringing on my rights. He's talking about the Lori Smith case. She was the web designer who was designing uh, websites but was uh, not willing to design uh, a a wedding website for a same-sex couple. And the state of Colorado said she had to. Uh, And she argued, or her lawyers did, that that was government-compelled speech. The First Amendment is not only a right to say what you want, but it is a right to not have to say what you don't want. So in pursuit of her personal beliefs, religious beliefs, she wouldn't create websites for same-sex weddings or couples. And Brad Palumbo writes, the way I see it, this is exactly the outcome that all Americans, gay or straight, should want. He writes, I don't personally agree with Smith's values or beliefs, but nobody has the right to force others to adopt their ideas using the power of government. I certainly wouldn't want that kind of imposition, he writes, placed on me. 
Under the logic the court's liberal justices embrace in their dissent, a gay business owner could be forced to design a website promoting anti-gay Bible verses. After all, religion is a protected characteristic under civil rights law. An individual could just as easily claim they're being discriminated against because of their beliefs in that scenario. And that was actually something that Justice Gorsuch acknowledged in his uh, opinion. We really should be asking ourselves, and we probably should have asked it a long time ago, do we want, even when it goes our way or we sympathize with the outcome, do we want government to have the power to put people in prison or mete out punishment based on what people say and don't say? Forget for a moment the First Amendment. Just think in terms of living in that kind of world. And if you're rooting for things like the Colorado law, are you forgetting that someday that law could be in the hands of a governor, a legislature, or a president with whom you totally disagree, whose viewpoints you find horrible and frightening? Because once we go down that road, whoever has the power, or holds the office, I should say, will have the power. This is the, I guess you could say, the be careful what you wish for argument. And I know that's not what the Supreme Court rules on. This is Strictly speaking, the Supreme Court is supposed to look at the Constitution and the intention of its wording. But I, 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 I'm just amazed. I, I find it amazing. You may be listening to me right now, and you and I don't agree on anything. And you think I'm wrong about everything. But can you not see how absolutely dangerous putting people in prison over pronouns or forcing people to um, engage in a, in, a, in a contractual business decision they don't want to do? You, you, can you imagine? And, and to be honest, if you go back to our founding, part of the, the tyranny of the British crown was that they had that power. So our country literally came out of, and we're about to celebrate the anniversary of a very famous declaration, right? Our country literally was born out of the objection to government-enforced speech, government-enforced action. And it's taken 250 years for us to forget that. Today's JR poll, powered by River City Oral Surgery. Do you buy fireworks for the 4th of July? Do you buy fireworks? I know there will be fireworks, but do you buy fireworks? Do you do fireworks? And you know what I'm really wondering about, because every year around this time, I notice on social media, people start posting or positioning the argument, I wish people wouldn't do fireworks. I wish we couldn't do this. Why do we have to do this? Because it upsets my dog, and it's terrifying for my dog, and I hate to see my dog. And I, by the way, every dog I've ever had was afraid of fireworks. I know there are some that are not bothered by it, but I've had different breeds. I've had young, old, male, female. They're all, they all turn to jelly. They all are, are, and I, I've, um, I've heard of every, you know, I've heard, I've heard of the thunder shirts and I've heard of put on music and I've heard you should ignore them 
and I've sure I've heard you should hold them, and I, you know the dog that is. And, and I mean, uh, I don't know. I, I I really don't know what works. Do you have like a foolproof solution for dogs that are afraid of fireworks? Because it is it is pathetic. It is sad to watch them get all, you know, perturbed, and they don't know, and it's their ears are very sensitive, and they don't know what's going on, and um. Almost, it's almost worse the bigger they are because they look like they shouldn't. Like when I had a German Shepherd, he he looked like he should be afraid of anything, and he wasn't afraid of anything except that. It was hard to see him like that, you know. What do you do? What works? Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Like I said, I've I've known people. My sister tried the Thunder shirt with their dog, and I've I've known other people that tried it, and. Most people do not report uh, great results with that. I, I guess some people do. Somebody must get results because it's still in the market. But, I mean, there must be other, like, uh, home remedies or tricks of the trade. If you're a dog trainer or you, you've had this with a dog, maybe you can tell us what works. When the fireworks are going off, how do you settle them down, calm them down, distract them? Um and, you know, your instinct is to comfort them. But I actually read one book uh, by a trainer who said, no, you need to ignore them. Because if you go to them and you act all, um, you know, solicitous and they're there, then you're reinforcing that there is something they should be afraid of. Not sure my dog is that logical, just putting all that together. But um, I thought this was funny. Uh, this is from Babylon B, the satire website. Uh, this is their story about the Supreme Court affirmative action decision. Uh, Babylon B, Dateline, Cambridge, Massachusetts, admissions faculty at Harvard was devastated today upon hearing the news they could no longer use racial discrimination to turn their school into a diverse rainbow of beautiful mediocrity. Their spirits were raised, however, once they realized they could accomplish the same thing by acting perspect- asking prospective students whether they prefer barbecue, ranch dressing, or soy sauce. We really want to avoid too many um, soy sauce lovers here at Harvard, said the associate dean for inclusion and belonging. They're kind of boring because they study all the time, which is lame, but you need a few of them on campus because sometimes you can pay them to do your homework for you. So they're going to they're gonna ask what kind of sauce you like. What's your, what's your preferred dressing? Anyway. Oh, and have you heard um, Geraldo Rivera is quitting Fox News? He is uh, ditching Fox News. They took him off the five, and uh, he said, "That's I'm all right with that, but I'm going to keep working here, and I've got other things in the pipeline." And now he says he's leaving uh, the network altogether. I got a I got a Geraldo story. I got an up close and personal Geraldo story. I'm going to share with you coming up. We are putting the wraps on a very big and very important and successful. Campaign for Operation Interdependence here on KTSA. Uh, OI, Operation Interdependence, a group that uh, puts care packages together for men and women serving our country in far-flung places where sometimes they can't get the basics, the creature comforts, the things you and I pick up routinely in our travels. Uh, Plus, just reminders of the home front, ways of saying we're thinking of you, 
uh, and we haven't forgotten you, no matter how far away you are. Uh, this hour of Operation Interdependence is brought to you by Kitchen Designs by Giovanni, uh, which is also the title sponsor this year for Operation Interdependence, and Giovanni Morata, the president, founder of the company, is joining us right now. Giovanni, happy Friday afternoon to you. Happy Friday, Jack. I'm uh, trying to get off here, but it's been a long day. I, well, and I won't keep you any longer than than absolutely necessary, and I won't no. ask you to work hey, too hard. But I, hour. but I, no, <laughs> hey, look, uh, you know, I uh, although you could do it, but um, I, I, you and I have talked about this cause many times, and as somebody that served uh, as a Marine and served in combat and served far away from home. How important is it to get these packages? It's really important because, like I said before, not everybody has family. And so there's a lot of military members out there that are overseas, uh, and they don't have family that, that sends them stuff. So there's a large group of guys that don't get anything. So it's, it's real important that they get them, and it, it really helps and boosts morale. And I can tell you a couple of really good things that, are, uh, that people like to get out there, though, for sure. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, when, when you look at the list, I mean, um, beef jerky is, is a big mm -hmm. one, you know, mm -hmm. everyone, you know, you can always have it in your, in your pack and you can always, you can always eat it. The other right. thing is, uh, it, it sounds really bad, but I can tell you a really bad story about, uh, one of the Marines that I was in with named Larkham. Uh, we went by last names, you know, so it's Larkham, uh, but foot powder is good. And I can tell you what, Larkham needed foot powder and he didn't have it. <laughs> <laughs> he, he needed, let me tell everyone real quick, Jack. I mean, we were in 29 Palms in the desert, and we, I was out there for like three weeks doing what we call the cacks, right? And so you don't have any showers when you're out there. But every so often you can, you know, pull over and you can, you know, uh, wash your body and your face with a bar of soap and your canteen. And so I made a routine to change my socks because you don't want messed up feet, right? Right. So I always change my socks and wash my feet and stuff like that and put a fresh pair of socks on. So I'm sitting by the back of the Humvee, leaned up against the, the back tire, and Larkin's by the front. And Larkin was a big old dude. He was strong, and, and when we'd go on humps and stuff like that, he could carry a lot of stuff. And so I'm sitting there, I'm changing my socks, and all of a sudden I was like, what is that smell? And I look over, and Larkin's taking off his boots. Oh, and I'm boy. done, and I walk over there, I'm like, Larkin. You got stuff growing on your toes, man. Oh boy! It was so bad. Larkham needed foot powder, so it's important to sense so stuff like that. So get the foot powder going and the odor readers and all that stuff. <laughs> exactly. And you know, those are all like things. You know, you mentioned the beef jerky, the the foot powder, anything that is that travels well and is not perishable. So uh, obviously, like sample size of toiletries, soaps. Yes. Uh, hygiene products, chapstick, um, you know, e e even even like uh, socks, you know, athletic socks right. and stuff like that. These are all things that can go in these care packages. We don't ask you to make them. We ask you to support the making of them uh, under Operation Interdependence. And if you go to KTSA.com, you can give right there. And a big thank you to you and everybody at Kitchen Design by Giovanni for supporting this. Uh, you always get behind good causes. We really appreciate it. Yeah, and the KTSs have been great. I mean, I looked at uh, this morning at the boxes over in my office, and, and they're packed. So great. they're definitely bringing stuff out, and we really appreciate uh, uh, the listeners supporting the troops and everything. Great. Well, thank you, Giovanni. I hope you and your family have a, a wonderful weekend. Thank you for your service, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Jack. We'll see you soon.
All right. This hour of Operation Interdependence presented by Kitchen Design by Giovanni. Go to KTSA.com. I asked the question before the uh, news. What do you do for dogs uh, that are afraid of fireworks, which is most dogs? Got a lot of email. Judy says, this is a stupid question. Don't take them to fireworks. I'm sorry, Judy. I, I thought I was clear on this. I'm not taking the dog to fireworks. The dog is in the house with me having multiple coronaries overhearing fireworks. I, I, I would know not to. I mean, I probably don't sound smart enough, but I would know not to take a dog to, to fireworks or to, or to go if my neighbors are shooting off rockets and stuff in the street. I'm not going to take the dog outside. But thank you, Judy. Appreciate, love you, too. Uh, Morgan says, uh, Kratom, and that is that, that does help if your dog is crate trained or likes going in their crate. That, that helps a little bit. Um, Shelly wrote to Jack at KTSA.com uh, that she's used uh, white noise with her dogs, and um, you, know, you can there's apps you can turn on that generate different kinds of white noise if you want, like the sound of rain falling or static or stuff like that, and that that might distract the dog. And I, that also sounds good to me because I, I have tried in the past, like if I'm just here in the house and it's you know the night of the fourth, I'll put on a movie or something and turn up the volume a little louder than normal and hope to kind of drown out the, the sound of the fireworks. That kind of works a little bit. These are all good. Uh, John says, have you tried CBD products? I assume, I assume John, you mean CBD products for the dog. <laughs> or maybe both of us. I don't know. Now, I haven't tried CBD products. And I haven't tried them on my dog. My dog is so loopy uh, when she's straight. I'm not sure I want her on CBD, but we'll... we'll We'll take that under advisement. Thanks to everybody that wrote in to our uh, question, Jack at KTSA.com. And the question on the JR poll, do you buy fireworks for the fourth uh, powered by River City Oral Surgery? We'll have the results on that coming up here on KTSA. 210-599-5555. Yeah, I mentioned uh, Geraldo Rivera leaving Fox News. He uh, says they fired him from the five, and now he's decided to quit Fox made the announcement on Twitter last night, and um, he uh, says he's looking forward to uh, doing other things. I hope it's not my last adventure. He'll be eighty uh, next week. All right, I got a I got a story for you. I think I've told this before, but it's been a long time. We went to um, the Republican convention in 2012. Was in Tampa. And um, when you go to political conventions for the media, as the media, you don't stay like at the convention site or in the hotels right at the convention site. Those are for the big wigs and the important people in the political party, Republicans or Democrats. So they put the media people in like outlying hotels. Like if the if it was in San Antonio, they wouldn't put the media people downtown. They'd put them like you know out on I-10 or, you know, something like that, Bernie or something like that. So anyway, we're, 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 we're driving in every day from these outlying hotels in Tampa. And the way it worked was you would go to a central location that was assigned you, and you would carpool. So they would have a van or a limo that could seat several people, and it was me and my producer, Taylor, 
And it happened that Geraldo Rivera was in the carpool that we were in. And then when we got to the convention center in Tampa, so you're in this ring of security when you penetrate and you're in the ring. Now, they have all these setups or all these radio shows, and our radio show had this little booth. And right behind us was Geraldo. Doing hit, he did a radio show in New York City at that time. So again, this is 2012. So I never met him. I had watched him on TV, and he was the most famous person in our carpool. The rest of us were radio nobodies. But here's Geraldo Rivera, big as life. And I have to tell you, um, he is a trip in person. There's a lot of young people, because, you know, the, the producers and interns are all very young. He is hitting on girls that are just so young. And it's like something out of a Saturday Night Live sketch. I mean, it's it's like, wow, I haven't heard that line since like the 80s. You know, you know guys were still saying that. He's, he's doing this and he's doing that and he's putting the make on, he's putting the lines on, he's throwing the whole, do you know who I am? He's, he's sort of... Uh, you know, you, you you ever see a famous person in public who's dying to be recognized? Because a lot of famous people don't want to be recognized. A lot of times they're they're really trying to keep to themselves, and and you respect that, and you don't go up to them and make a big deal. He was doing the opposite. He was like throwing off that whole, you know, vibe. But it was hilarious. And then we get to the place where we're doing the shows. Now again, there are rows and rows of these little booths where you're doing right. They're not enclosed booths. They're just curtained off. And uh, you're doing your radio show, and you kind of know when you're in a situation like that. There's a there's a volume level for your voice. You don't have to be terribly loud. You're speaking into a microphone. The folks back in San Antonio can hear me fine. They use a normal tone of voice. The microphone does the rest. He's over there screaming into the microphone like Mussolini on the balcony. And you could hear him up and down the room. Geraldo is in the building. So I don't know if he's changed since then we all change maybe he's different but if he's anything like he was 12 years ago 11 years ago they're probably popping the champagne corks at fox i'm just gonna leave it there <laughs> i mean it was he, he was a trip to be it was work to be around him wow is all i'm saying it would he would be the person that i would love to just have a sit down chat with because he had a, he had one of those rare opportunities a, to yeah. interview john lennon at one time. Well, and he had a great career. I mean, you know, he he worked for 2020 and ABC News, and he was a local New York reporter. Um, He's done radio, he's done television, he's done network. Um, I'm not taking away from his his career. I'm just saying to be around him was somewhat of a letdown compared to watching him. I was always a fan of his work on television. Kind of a letdown to be around him in person, but probably people could say that about me. In fact, Don, you could probably say that about me. But I will leave that... We'll leave that right there. Don will tell his story on another day. The NFL suspended four players for gambling um, on games. These uh, players allegedly uh, placed, uh, you know, legal bets, uh, but it is not. It is against the uh, policies of the NFL uh, that players uh, gamble on football. Jonathan Jones of the New England Patriots wants to know why can't players gamble or bet on their own team winning? I understand rules are rules, Jones tweeted, 
but I can risk my life so that my team wins, but I can't risk $1,000 on my team winning? I want to ask this question. Do we need rules against football players gambling? Does the NFL need to be on that? Because, you know, I'm hard-pressed to think of a... I'm hard-pressed to think of a, of a situation where, uh, you know, the NFL, they play, what was it now, 17 games. It was 16, right? Now it's 17. They play 17 games. Uh, every game's important. Every game's a must-win for every team. It's not like baseball that plays 162 games, and if you're throwing games, you could throw games that would benefit you but not hurt your team making the postseason. In the NFL, you you cannot afford to lose a winnable game. I don't care who you are. It's also a game in which it would be, I think, very apparent if a player was flopping or, or throwing a game. Really, about the only player on the field who could throw a game would be the quarterback. And it would be evident, it would be obvious if he was doing that. So I'm not even sure that the NFL has a problem here. I mean, gambling is sports gambling. It's not my bag. I don't do it. I'm not saying this because I like it or I do it or I'm promoting it. It seems like kind of a it's it's to each his own. But to me, it seems like a waste of money. Like if I'm going to spend money, I want I want guaranteed results. I want guaranteed entertainment. I want to spend my money on an experience that I know I'll enjoy. So for me, it doesn't really work. But if that's your thing, and you play in the NFL, like this guy says, I mean. They're risking their lives, they're risking their health, but they can't risk a thousand dollars. Seems seems kind of out of balance to me. What do you think? Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Granted, granted, if that is the rule and players violate it, I'm in support of, of suspending them, punishing them, whatever. So I'm not quibbling with the suspension. I'm I'm questioning, and I'm really just asking uh what you think. Does that need to be a rule that NFL players uh, can't uh, gamble. Even though they're in a state or if they are in a state where sports betting is uh, legal. 210-599-5555. How would you... um, how would you handle it? Like, would you would you say, yeah, let them gamble any anyhow, anyway, anything? Would you make it different if they were betting on their team winning versus something else? I believe the rules are they can't gamble on the NFL at all, no matter who's involved, and they can't gamble or place bets um, while they're in a team facility or traveling with the team. So if they want to bet on other sports or do other things in sports... It, it can't be on, like, team time. I believe that's the, the key. I realize that there could be inside information, you know, that you could you could be gambling with knowledge of things that the rest of the public doesn't have or, or doesn't know. Um, and and I, I realize that could make people uncomfortable. But to me, I mean, you're talking about a 53-man roster. You're talking about a, a sport that that involves a lot of moving parts. I would not even make this case or raise this question, for example, about baseball. Uh, and baseball has, of course, its own, you know, the Black Sox scandal and uh, and Pete Rose and what have you. But I, 
I don't know. It seems seems like the NFL maybe is worrying about something they don't have to worry about here, to me, anyway. Big layoffs at ESPN. Did you hear this? Uh, I think Tom had this in the news. Uh, ESPN is in the middle of major cost-cutting and major layoffs, and today they announced that they are parting ways with Jeff Van Gundy, the former coach who's an NBA analyst, Max Kellerman, Keyshawn Johnson, Susie Kolber, uh, Jalen Rose, Todd McShane, their uh, NFL draft guy or one of their NFL draft guys, uh, Matt Hasselbeck, some of the uh, Sports Center anchors, uh, some of their uh, off the air uh, writers. And this is not the end of the layoffs at that company. Uh, they're eliminating thousands of jobs uh, worldwide, is Disney, the company that owns ESPN. Um, I don't have any inside information about this, and of course I'm always sorry to hear people uh, getting laid off, but I do have to wonder if, in addition to the economy, in addition to other factors that may be out of ESPN's control, I, I do wonder if maybe some of this is going woke. And not that these people who were laid off were necessarily guilty of that or not, but is ESPN hurting because there are people that can't watch ESPN anymore, that find it unwatchable, that used to, you know, either have it on all night or used to enjoy certain things and just got fed up with the politics. I mean, again, I want to be honest, I want to be fair about this. There is a lot of um, contraction and consolidation going on all over media and uh it, it, it most of it is just business, but they they did very notably and very prominently embrace a brand of politics that seemed not to be the politics or in the sweet spot for their own audience. I mean, it's it sort of like the sort of like the Bud Light thing. Like, what do you guys not know who you are and who watches and who the you know the the sort of target viewer is? And so we'll see. Um, th- some of these people are really good at what they do, and it's a shame to see them, uh, you know, laid off. Uh, and again, there may be more coming, but I wonder about that. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. By the way, JJ Watt just got a big contract with CBS Sports. He's going to be uh, doing the uh, NFL Today. Uh, starting this fall, so he'll be a studio analyst, which I think is great. I think he's he really knows football. He's very smart about football. Um, I think he'll be great on TV. So he got a big, big contract and a big deal uh, with CBS Sports. Congratulations. Um, President Biden did a uh, live interview on MSNBC with Nicole Wallace yesterday. It uh, went as you would expect. She was, you know, throwing underhand and uh, teeing it up for him. But what was uh, what everybody's talking about today is the end of the interview. Uh, so it, it was it was a fairly soft, you know, outing for Joe Biden. He um, seemed very at ease with Nicole Wallace, who basically is like the unofficial White House press secretary, but. But then at the end, he just walks off the set before the interview is over, before the show is over. This is how it sounded. The American, whether they voted for me or not. Well, and, and the ones that didn't vote for your bills, but run on them. That's, That's right. 
Mr. President, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very oh, much. I appreciate it's great it. to have you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Don't go anywhere. It's a very exciting day around here. Um, we'll have reaction and analysis to everything we just heard from the president. When she says don't go anywhere, she means the viewers, but he's walking right through the shot, just walking away. And he's doing that that uh, dragging his feet shuffle that he does. I, I don't know. I, I'm not, you know, I get accused of being an ageist. Um, there's nothing wrong with being 80. There's nothing wrong with acting 80. It's just not really the energy level for being president of the United States. That's all. That's all I'm saying. And, uh, you know, if he's your guy, more power to you. Joan Collins is 90 and says that she doesn't like going to Hollywood parties anymore because cancel culture has made them dull. She says Tinseltown has lost its spark over modern-day cancel culture, and it's affecting the parties. The parties I go to now are kind of dull, she told Best Magazine. Everybody behaves, because if you don't behave, you're going to get canceled. Of course, she's worked with everybody. She's been everywhere. She does. She's done everything. She is, I guess, still going to parties. But she says that Hollywood has gotten dull. She says there's only four real stars left in Hollywood. By her, by her lights, she says the only real stars left in Hollywood at this point are Nicole Kidman and Margot Robbie, uh, Brad Pitt, and Keanu Reeves. Hoping I would get mentioned. Maybe I'm just just like honorable mention. You know, though, um, she may be onto something in a way because I don't go to Hollywood parties, but I have gone to some Hollywood movies. And yeah, there's there's something about the cancel culture mentality or the woke mentality that really stifles creativity. I mean, we've talked about this, right? I mean, you can't make a, a, an irreverent fun movie anymore because it checks somebody's box you know the the most obvious and out there example would be blazing saddles but not every comedy has to be blazing saddles i'm even thinking of like the indiana jones franchise now i know we have the new indiana jones uh movie what is it called the new one dial of destiny or dial for destiny or dialing for dollars or something anyway and and you know you've got you've got Harrison Ford, who I, I love Harrison Ford, but Harrison Ford is not really Harrison Ford anymore. You know, N- none of us are. But they locked him in, and it's just I don't know. These the first one was the best one, I think. The first Indiana Jones was not a great like epic. Hollywood movie, not, you know, not not something you'd study in, in film school, but just, it was fun. It was a rollicking good time. You came out of a movie like that, you were, you know, uh, quoting funny lines and elbowing each other and laughing, and, you know, a- anyone that's watched, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark any number of times can, you know, can can spout off certain lines or scenes or whatever. It's one of those movies. It just had a chemistry to it that was fun. It was was why we go to the movies, to have fun, to forget our troubles for a while. That's why people have always gone to the movies. And like everything else, Hollywood has just sucked the life and the fun and the, I don't know, impropriety uh, out of it. 
And, and what's interesting is every so often they slip and they make a movie like the movies they used to make. And I'm thinking, for example, recently of um, Top Gun Maverick. Now, Top Gun Maverick wasn't just a sequel to Top Gun from the 80s. It really was like, it, it, it watched like an 80s movie. You know, it was, it was exciting, it was visual, it was funny, it had, uh, it, it, it evoked patriotism, it evoked appreciation for uh, the people who wear the uniform of our country, it was unabashed in that, it didn't, it didn't do it ironically or apologetically like Hollywood seems to feel it needs to do these days. And I mean, it was almost like they slipped. It was almost like they forgot and they made a movie the way they used to make movies. And of course, it did incredibly well, right? You, you heard people say, this is the first time I've been in a theater in 30 years. So, I don't know. I, I, think, I think what Joan Collins is saying is not just the parties, but that whole town has lost its way. And I guess maybe you need the perspective. I mean, she's been there, she's been in Hollywood for like 60-something years, so she can remember. You know, she was at the parties. She was on the sets saying this is not how it was. I mean, I suppose if you're young and you're in the movies, you think it's always been the way it is, you know. And I'm not suggesting that things don't change and everything changes. Everything's in a constant state of change, right? But... uh have they forgotten that we don't go to the movies to be improved or lectured? We actually go to the movies to get away from what we're living with. And literally the last thing anyone wants at a movie is to be reminded of societal debates and We've got to deal with these issues. I mean, no one has ever said, hey, let's go to a movie and grapple with <laughs> sexism in the workplace. No one's ever said that. It's escape. I don't know. I would think, I, I've often thought to have a job or to be in a business where you can make people laugh or lift them out of their troubles or help them forget what's making them sad or worrying them, to me, that's an incredible thing. If you can do that, what a blessing. I mean, we all have to do something, and not every job can be that. But, boy, what an opportunity to say, I go to work every day and I make people smile. I make people happy. I make them forget their troubles. I make them forget their bills or, or what's going to happen at work or, you know. How about trying that again? You've been waiting. Monday, you got through it Tuesday, you got through it Wednesday, you started to smell it Thursday, you were right on top of it, and now it's here! It's Friday! It's time to rock and roll! Break out the speakers! Blow your cars into them! Get home, get to your stuff, and get ready to rock because it's Friday! whoa The weekend starts here. Jack here, holding down the fort on a Friday. we got the dish coming up after 6. We'll talk restaurants. You can praise or zing and maybe get some ideas about places to go if you've got an extra day off or two this uh, weekend, other places to check out. So looking forward to your calls on the dish. Can't wait. Um, 210-599-5555. This is funny. I like this. Um, 
Dana Carvey, one of my favorite comedians, was on um, a podcast with David Spade. Uh, both of these guys were at various times on Saturday Night Live. But anyway, they started talking about uh, COVID-19 and the vaccine and Fauci. And Carvey launches into this Fauci impression. Take a listen to this. Cut number one. I miss COVID. I know. Dude, you know what I knew? There was trouble <laughs> when anyone that came to our country didn't have to get a vaccine. And I go, mm-hmm. if you're telling me I can't go to work, but everyone, everyone coming in doesn't have to get one, I go, well, once we found out when Fauci said, okay, I'm sorry, but if you've had two boosters and two vaccines, you can get and give COVID to another guy who's had five vaccines and four boosters. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between a vaccine and a booster? I don't know. It's just more vaccine, but booster sounds better. Anyway, a guy with 25 vaccines would get and give COVID to another guy with 25 vaccines. That's why I'm introducing the daily COVID shot. Every day you get a shot. By the time you get to your car, you got no immunity. But it's a beautiful 39 seconds. <laughs> All right. Wow, he's he's falling off the pedestal, right? I guess we're not burning. I guess we're not burning Fauci candles anymore. Uh, I'm sure there are people who still are. Um, it's it's. I'm glad people are recognizing the lunacy of that whole period but i hope we are keeping this like it, there's a bigger lesson here right this is about more than just that one time uh or this one example and and fauci is you got to think of him not as a doctor or a researcher this is about government and overreach and next time it may not be a virus, or or maybe it'll be the next virus. Uh, 210-599-5555. I heard uh, yesterday, and I was sorry to hear it, and I had not known he was ill, about the passing of one of the, one of the guys that I remember hearing on the radio, and he was, for me, I guess one of the reasons I wanted to do this. I wanted to be a disc jockey, which, yes, believe it or not, I did want to be and was briefly. But his name was Bob Shannon, and he was a great personality on music radio in the era when the greatest personalities were on music radio. That really isn't true anymore, because for the most part, music radio doesn't allow for the kind of latitude and, and improv that, that these guys brought in between the records. Um, he was somebody who could, in a very concise, quick way, uh, make you chuckle, make you smile, and before you knew it, you were right on into the next uh, song. He spent a lot of time, a lot of his career uh, in New York City, but like everybody else, he had to start somewhere else, and he did. He started at his university uh, and high school radio stations back in uh, New York State, uh, went to Syracuse University, worked there. Um, started his uh, paid radio career uh, at a very famous radio station in Pittsburgh called 13Q, uh, and then spent the next 40-something years uh, in New York on a number of radio stations, but most prominently on WCBS-FM. CBS-FM was, for most of its life and is today, uh, the oldie station in New York. This is what Bob Shannon sounded like on CBS-FM. Ladies and gentlemen, for the past three hours, 
You have heard the radio equivalent of the rich and varied romantic life of the legendary Casanova. Now get set for George Michael in the Park. He uh, um, also did some national stuff, so you may know the name. Uh, he did some syndicated countdown shows that were probably carried, I would imagine, here in San Antonio and uh, other places as well. He's in the National Radio Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and the uh, Radio Hall of Fame, and uh, our condolences to him and his family. I, uh, I that that's kind of when I was when I was talking earlier about being able to just make people smile or having a job where you just bring a little light, a little levity into people's lives. I think that's, I, I, I know we need, I know we need the doctors and the professors and, you know, all of that too, but, but boy, we do need people who are just about light and laughter. And if everybody is trying to impart a social message and if everybody is trying to be woke and if everybody is trying to improve your pronoun usage we can't live like that somebody has to just crack a joke in a movie or and then play a song or then be on the radio you know gotta have it Beans and Okay, we're ready to talk restaurants on the dish. This is the hour, the last hour of the last show of the week, where we uh, ask you to talk about where you've been, what you've been doing, where you've been trying, what have you been, uh, what have you been sampling. Uh, you, maybe you went to a new restaurant recently, or you found one that's new to you in your travels, or you finally went in that place you've been driving by for years and years. Maybe you just want to sing the praises of an old favorite, one of your regular haunts. But we want to hear about that restaurant anywhere in San Antonio or around South Texas. Want to hear about the food, the price, the service what we should order when we go, or why we should stay away altogether. You can praise or zing. Is this leading to no women in colleges soon? Who knows? <laughs> I know I had no women in college, but that's another story. Uh, praise or zing. Any uh, restaurant experience right now in the dish, 210 599 there were women in my college. I just did, didn't have any women in college. All right. Um, we're talking restaurants. We'll have the results on the JR poll coming up at the end of the hour. Uh, and you can get in here at 210-599-5555. Really, the only rule on the dish, please have the complete correct name of the restaurant that you are calling about. There was a story in the news this week about Bill Gates. Did you hear this? Women interviewing for jobs in Bill Gates' private office described going through an extensive screening procedure that included being questioned about their sexual histories, past drug use, and other parts of their private lives. Female job candidates to work with Bill Gates were asked if they had ever had extramarital affairs, what their preferences were in pornography, if they had nude photos of themselves on their phones, it couldn't be determined whether men were asked such questions. 
uh, according to the Wall Street Journal. But women said they were asked such questions. Uh, Some candidates were asked whether they had ever danced for dollars. One candidate was asked whether she had ever contracted a sexually transmitted disease. This is Bill Gates. Now, Bill Gates' uh, people came out and said, look, um, this company is called Gates Ventures. They said, look, we, uh, we have no comment on this except to say that when people are interviewed for employment, we use a third-party company. It's not us. It's this contractor that we hire, and we have no comment or input on whatever questions they ask, which is a good answer, right? It's pretty pretty good positioning dodge but but i i'm always amazed by how i mean bill gates is kind of a lefty right he's a progressive guy right it's amazing how many guys who are lefties and woke are also pigs with women because granted you're going to say well there's people on the right to do that too yes but the the mantra on the left is that they are the champions of women that they're much better on these things. They are much more enlightened. They're much more respectful. They're much more, um, you know, they, they, uh, they recognize the dignity and so forth. And yeah, I don't know. It seems like every time we turn around, whether it's a politician or a business person or a Hollywood type, the the more left, the more, you know, kind of like piggy they are. I I can't even imagine what, you'd need to ask all these questions for. And, of course, who'd want to take a job where they're asking you this? They, they said, by the way, that these were questions that were asked in order to determine your, um, I guess, your vulnerability to being blackmailed. That sounds like something you'd make up after you'd ask those questions. <laughs> oh, I'm just trying to, I'm just interested in uh, protecting you from blackmail. That's why I'm asking. 210-599-5555. All right, we're talking restaurants on the dish. You can praise or zing your most recent restaurant experience. We're going to start with uh, Glenn on KTSA. And Glenn, happy oh. Friday night. Welcome to the show. Hey, Jack. Hey, Glenn. I'm calling to tell you about a restaurant at the corner of Ki- uh, Kitty Hawk and Topperwine in Converse called Elders Cajun Foods. Oh, never heard of it. Tell me about Man. it. Fantastic food. Their shrimp and grits is to die for. Um, they make chicory coffee and they have beignets. It's family owned. Uh, the mother and father cook in the kitchen and the kids are the wait staff. They've got a to go section next door. Um, very, very friendly people, very personable. Um, I think it's Wednesdays and Sundays they have music. Um, we went wow. there, just found it. I, I've gotten this thing now to where I don't need to change anymore. We try to find something locally owned. And we just Googled it. We were in that part of town one day, and it popped up. And, man, are we happy. Wow, very nice. Looks like it's 8022 Kitty Hawk. Does that sound right? Yeah, that sounds right. Oh, and they have uh, Cajun potato salad. And I asked, well, what makes potato salad Cajun? It's got sautéed shrimp in it, Jack. Whoa. Yeah. Wow! Never did that before. Uh, yeah, so that sounds no. good. What's your What's your favorite thing to get there? What would you say is the best thing on their menu? Uh, well, uh, my fiance had their stuffed shrimp, uh, which is the the most expensive thing on their menu, and it's really good. But they're the I'd say the uh, shrimp and grits because most places you get shrimp and grits, the uh, 
the the grits are just grits, you know. No, mm -hmm. the, the, <laughs> these have a little kick to them. They got a real good flavor. Uh, no, it's uh, like I said, everything they have is we've tried is good. Um, Looking at the menu trip, here, it looks like the beignets are pretty good. Have you ever had the beignets? Yep, we've had the beignets. As a matter of fact, my fiance gave a couple of my beignets away one time. So. <laughs> Wow! Wait a minute. Now let me hold on a minute here, Glenn. Your 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 fiance is ordering the most expensive thing on the menu. Your fiance is giving away your beignets. You're not making her sound too great. Well, okay. Caveat: she paid for dinner, so you know. Oh, <laughs> that changes everything. Look at you. All right, Elder's Family Restaurant, 8022 Kitty Hawk Drive. Uh, try the shrimp and grits and the Cajun potato salad, says Glenn. And also, yep. if you see Glenn, ask him for tips on how to meet a woman who will pay for your dinner. Because <laughs> we all need that. Glenn, thank you, sir. Good job. Praise for Elder's Family Restaurant. Elder's Family Restaurant, 8022 Kitty Hawk. 210-599-5555. That changed the whole dynamic, didn't it? Well, she bought my dinner, so she can give it away. By the way, this hour of Operation Interdependence on KTSA presented by Airtron, and we thank them for their support uh, throughout this entire season of Operation Interdependence. You can still go to KTSA.com and give right then and there. And what Operation Interdependence does is create gift, not gift bags, but really like care packages uh, that go out to uh, soldiers and sailors and airmen uh, stationed all around the world. So a little reminder of home, some items or uh, toiletries or creature comforts that may not be available where they are, uh, based or stationed, and uh, you can be a part of that. You can support that with Operation Interdependence. Just go to KTSA.com. Give right now, please, and thank you. The uh, you, you know I love Julian's, and have, I, I feel like I've had almost everything on their menu at one time or another, but I actually had one of their pizzas uh, the other night that I'd never had before. They have this big, uh, thick-crust, square-cut pizza called the door the door and it was amazing it was so good and i'm normally more of a i don't know are you do you have like a, a crust preference like are you a thin crust person or a thick crust I, i'm usually more of a thin crust pizza guy like i don't know I, I feel like you can enjoy pizza more if it's not so filling and bready and um so normally ordinarily i'm looking for a thin crust what some people call a new york style crust and um, it it's just the piece I'm used to, I guess. Really, that's kind of what I grew up on. But uh, there are there are some good uh, deep dish, and there are some good thick crust. And sometimes that just sounds right. It just sounded right. And I uh, got the door, and I got it with extra sauce and pepperoni. It was sensational. And thick crust works when the crust itself is is done right and is you know cooked enough and not kind of gummy and doughy. You know you don't, you don't want to. You never want a pizza where the, the crust is like, it feels like it hasn't baked long enough or, you know, didn't, didn't cook all the way through, Ugh, you know. So anyway, it was, it was perfect uh, and uh, highly recommended. Definitely, I mean, this is, you, could, you could easily feed a family of four or more uh, off one of these. It's huge. It's called The Door. Julie's. 
Yeah, there you go. A little praise. Uh, 210-599-5555. We're talking restaurants. We're getting your votes in on the JR poll. Powered by River City Oral Surgery. Do you buy fireworks for the 4th? We're going to see how you voted on the poll coming up at the end of this hour. We've got some Jack Chat we're going to check out uh, on the Jack Chat line as well. This man from the U.K. went to Jamaica on vacation with his family. And there's something about when people go to Jamaica, have you noticed a lot of times people get a little crazy? Like they do, they they feel like they have to do things. I don't know if it's peer pressure or, or, or stereotype or what, but people, you know, they come back from a vacation there and they've got cornrows or they get beads in their hair or whatever. This 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 guy probably should have done that. Uh, Timothy, Timothy Southern uh, went to a uh, bar and attempted to drink all 21 cocktails on the menu in in one night, not over the course of like a week. You could do that over a week. And it killed him. Alcohol poisoning. Tried to drink all 21 cocktails before midnight on one night. The article says it's not clear how quickly he consumed them. I'm pretty sure no matter how quickly or slowly, that would be too many, right? You know, you can't you can't do it. How many people have done something? I'm not I'm not making fun of this man. This is a terrible thing. But how many people have done something on like a vacation like this that they would never do at home? Or in their home country, you know. Like this this man probably went out to bars in his, you know, whatever town he lives in in England. He wouldn't drink 12 drinks in one night, right? This is probably not what he does. There's something about, and, and it, it wouldn't be just anywhere, but there's certain places when, when people go on vacation, I, I guess they feel like, well, I, people are going to ask me what I did, and i got to have a good answer, you know, i got to have a good story. It's just it's it's almost like um it's almost like people are living in a reality show, you know, where they're you know, on reality shows there's always somebody doing something crazy or ill advised, and that's what gets you the attention and the clicks and um I mean, this is a, a grown man. And, you know, you'd think he kinda knows how to hold his liquor and knows his limits. I think the article said he was fifty three or sixty three. I mean, you know, you know, right? I mean, I, I, it's always tragic when a young person dies of alcohol poisoning, and you say, "Well, they don't—they they really don't know. They're—they haven't tested their limit. They don't know their limit." But this guy should know his limit. So, anyway, twenty-one cocktail challenge didn't uh, didn't work. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. I was thinking today. Um, this was the time of year, like June, in 2020, that they were closing beaches for COVID. Do you remember that? I remember we were, you know, we had stories in the news about, oh, uh, the spring break crowd can't go to the beach, or Fourth of July vacationers can't go to the beach. No, no beach barbecues in Florida or wherever it was. They were closing the beaches. 
Now, whatever you think about closing restaurants and bars, you know, that's one thing. The beach. Really hard to think of the beach as a, you know, hotbed for this virus. When you think about all the things that were closed to people that probably would have helped people be healthier, you know, beaches, nature trails, um, health clubs. And we, we hear all the, you know, we're still unpacking all the, like the medical damage, right, that COVID did to people, the weight gain and the, 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 the after effects of the lockdowns. Let them go to the damn beach. I'm hoping we'll at least have enough common sense. The next time somebody says, hey, there's a virus, you got to stay away from the beach, I'm hoping people will just be like, no, uh, absolutely not. You can't arrest all of us. Just We're, we're all going to be at the beach. We're all going to be there, including, yes, including Jaws. But, yeah, that was going on right about this time three years ago, so... Uh, it, it, when I when I look back at the things that were being done and the, and the way they were being announced, the way they were being rolled out, it 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 is like um, I feel like I'm reading ancient history. I feel like I'm reading about another people in another day and time. It was us. This was us three years ago, and a lot of the people that issued these fakakta, ridiculous, baseless guidelines and orders they're still still with us still in power still making decisions they'll be making the the call on the next one whatever it is whenever it is all right we're talking restaurants 210-599-5555 you can praise or zing your most recent restaurant experience on the dish i do want to tell you about a place that's opening up here i don't know exactly when but i'm excited about it because i've been a fan of the location in austin for a while it's a taiwanese bakery called 85 Degrees Celsius Bakery Cafe. I don't know what the 85 Degrees Celsius refers to, but anyway, um, it's Asian and European-style pastries and breads, and they have coffee and coffee drinks and uh, all those different latte drinks that people like and stuff like that, but... um, I've been a fan of the one in Austin. I think they're in other Texas cities as well. We're getting our first one in San Antonio, and it's going to be at I-10 and De Zavala uh, in a shopping center called University Square, corner of I-10 and De Zavala. And apparently it's coming sometime uh, later this summer. So keep an eye on that. If you if you know that place or if you like the sound of a bakery, it'll be at I-10 and De Zavala sometime in August or September. All right, this hour of Operation Interdependence presented by Airtron. You can go to KTSA.com and support Operation Interdependence. Find out all about it. We're going to get to your calls on the dish coming up here. And first, we're going to check the Jack Chat line. That's the number, the special sort of voicemail number, if you will, that's available to you to call anytime to comment on anything. It's for people that are too busy to call during the live show or are listening to the podcast 210 Five nine nine fifty five fifty. Let's check the Jack Chat line. 
Hey, Jack. Dale Johnson, San Antonio. <clears throat> yeah, I took that Blanco exit yesterday, and uh, it was a near-death experience. <clears throat> I will notice that uh, I did notice that they put up an 8 by 10 yield sign on the frontage road, which nobody paid any attention to. So you're right. It is the, it's the worst intersection uh, in all of San Antonio, in my opinion. So just for all your good uh, listeners out there, take the Stone Oak exit. Stay alive. Mm. Yeah, definitely, if you're on 1604 West, do not exit Blanco because with the construction on that access road, they just dump you right into the oncoming uh, access road traffic. I wrote a note about this to John Courage, the District 9 councilman. I know that it's not a city issue, but I, I wondered if he had perhaps been hearing from people about it. And he wrote a nice note back to me today. Jack, sorry missed your outreach on this. I wouldn't have much to say about it. I checked with my staff. We are not receiving calls or emails. This is primarily a TxDOT issue since Blanco Road and Loop 1604 are TxDOT roadways. I always encourage residents to call 311 to report these concerns and call our district office as well. We will watch for any more concerns about safety at this location, writes John Courage, Councilman district nine yeah it i i I don't i'm not i'm not advocating that you start calling people it's done it's there it's going to be like that till they finish the project but it's terrible it's really like there's like no thought given to how people are supposed to come off 1604 and get into that access road very very tricky if you're trying to go to like um torchies or uh trader joe's or just yeah definitely just just go all around avoid it don't go there till they finish it uh, next up on the Jack chat line. Hi, Jack. This is Craig in Pipe Creek. I just finished a while ago listening to your top ten from the Bicentennial Year this week, 1976. And as for the uh, ones you played in the 80s I commented on, I appreciated this. And I was still a kid at 25, but uh, I enjoyed it. I'm glad you're doing this. I hope uh, other listeners are as well. And one thing I did note, um, to my count, well over half, uh, maybe six or seven of those, are still very much in the playlist. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, there was some pretty good music back then, and I appreciate you uh, bringing it forward. Thanks, Jack. I got as much email about that as probably anything else we did yesterday. So, yeah, people did like it. And we will continue to do those probably about once a week. Thank you, Craig. Appreciate you. Uh, Jack chat line is always open, 210-599-5550. Back to live. We're talking uh, restaurants on the dish. And Jesse, happy Friday night, Jesse. Hello, Jack. Thank you for taking my call. I called a couple of months ago. So this is a repeat of Williams Confectionery Crafts at 12107 Tupperwine Road. Yeah. It's black-owned business owned by Joyce Williams and her family. Mm-hmm. And they are the nicest people in the world. Yeah. And uh, they're open Monday through Friday, 7 to 7, and Saturday, 7 to 3, and Sunday closed. What I recommend, and I always get, I get the loaded omelet, which has three meats and vegetables and cheeses. And also, every once in a while, the loaded biscuit, which has two eggs, bacon, and three meats, veggies, and cheese. And you can add gravy to that. And also, they have a good chicken and buttermilk waffles. And uh, I can't, you know, they have specials Monday through Friday, but the one special I always try and go to is the chicken and dumplings on Tuesday because they serve yams there. 
and I always get a double portion of the yams. They're so good. And also mm. on Wednesday, the, the King Ranch chicken casserole is really good. But everything is good. And I yeah. I talk to different people there when they have a different plate than I, and they say, you got to get it. So I think yeah. everything on the menu is very good. Yeah, yeah. No, I, you, but first of all, I really like the way you eat, Jesse. I, you're like the guy I want to sit with because I like everything you just <laughs> mentioned. Uh, but that, that is such a nice uh, place, and I always, every time I'm there or I drive by, I think, boy, I hope they're doing well because it is a little oh, bit off God. the beaten path. It's not, you know, these days to be successful, you kind of have to be near or on a major road or intersection. But, yeah, 12107 Topper Wine Road over by the hospital there for Williams Confectionery. Good stuff. Thank you, Jesse. Appreciate it. Praise for Williams Confectionery on the dish. Mark is next on the dish on KTSA. Happy Friday night, Mark. Hey, you too, Jack. Uh, I went to a place called Buns Handcrafted Burgers. It's actually, I think it's their second location. They have one downtown, which I've never been to, but this new one is at uh, 1604 and Chase Hill Boulevard. It's actually right next to the, uh, excuse me, it's right next to the Whataburger, and um, it's across the across the highway from, from uh, UTSA, but... Uh, it's in the old uh, Pollo Tropical building, which was the, the failed Taco Cabana franchise that didn't, didn't mm-hmm. work out here. <laughs> but uh, I had, it's a burger place, and I had the Bunzilla, which is a double burger, and it was very good. I, I posted a picture on Facebook, and all my friends said it looked incredible. <laughs> and, uh, it's it's greasy, if you don't mind that. I mean, that's why I liked it, I think, is because it was, you know, pretty pretty greasy, but mm-hmm. uh, I think that helped. Uh, but, I mean, the... The the burger looked like uh looked like a marketing picture you know it looked like something wow. you'd see that you know <laughs> something you'd see in the picture and then you'd go there and it wasn't as good but this one this one was good and yeah um, this place this place has several different burger options um, but they've got some some things like the Beyond Beef burger they've got a blackened shrimp burger uh, crab cake burger uh, but I just had the double burger and it was really good and they also have uh, nine different types of shakes, which I didn't try any of them because I don't want to have that much sugar, but uh, they had some interesting uh, flavors. And they've also got they've also got beer there, and it was a Tuesday evening, so it was a little too early in the week for me to have a beer. <laughs> but uh, um, it, it's a, you know, seems like a good place to have a shake yeah. or, or a beer yeah. also. Absolutely. I'm noticing here on the uh, website, too, I like the fact that they're open till 11 o'clock. Well, I hadn't noticed that. I went there in the evening right at dinner time. Yeah. And, um, so many places are closing so early now, you know, and uh, I, I really kind of have like an eye on places that stay open until at least 10 or 11. I think that's great. So, yeah, it says 11 to 11, um, six days a week, and they're closed on Sundays. Yeah, that's that's good, too. Yeah, I mean, I, I go to gyms every once in a while, and some of them close at 8. There's one on Broadway that closes at 2, 2 p.m. On the weekends, they're, they're closed after lunch. Which is it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, yeah. But I'm glad you mentioned this. I, I definitely want to check this out. Buns Handcrafted Burgers, 6819 North Loop 1604, which she said is Chase Hill Boulevard, right across from the main UTSA entrance. Buns, B-U-N-Z, Buns Handcrafted Burgers. Great job with that, Mark. Thank you. You painted. You didn't show me your picture, but you painted the picture. You did a good job with it. Thank you. 210-599-5555 on the dish on KTSA. And Christy is on the radio. Happy Friday night, Christy. Oh, happy Friday to you. Thank you. Thank I just um, was going for six clicks on Bender Road. 
It's behind the uh, Dairy Queen. But their food is fresh. I mean, I had a club sandwich. Well, it I call it club. It's a a bacon a BLT, and that was so big mm-hmm. it was unreal. And wow. the French fries are real. Um, I tried the chicken tenders, and they were great. You could tell it was real chicken. Mm-hmm. The only miss I had was the bread pudding. <laughs> oh, what was wrong with that? But, uh, it was too soupy <laughs> for oh, me. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, their sauce was fabulous. Yeah. But I can't see. I mean, if you can have that fresh of food and yeah. ready in minutes, you know, why go to wait in line in Dairy Queen? <laughs> so... Yeah, no kidding. Right. Um, so you said it's uh, it's on Bandera Road and it's behind the the DQ. Um, mm-hmm. So would that be considered Holotus? I guess you'd be in Holotus at that point, right? Yeah, it was Holotus. I mean, yeah. I live off Desavala, but I drive over there because yeah. you know just to get fresh food and something yeah. real, and somebody else made it for you. <laughs> but it says that it's veteran owned, also. Yeah, we had a caller last year mention that um that it's it's veteran owned and um that they uh the owners are there and uh that they'll come out and talk to you and I don't know if you've had that experience yet. But oh, not yet. The little looks, girl looks like a looks like a neat story behind this place, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I'd like to meet whoever owns it. Well, I hope but I hope you will get that opportunity. Yeah, maybe next time. Yeah. So, twelve nine sixteen Bandera Road in Holotus, Twelve nine one six Bandera Road for Six Clicks Cafe. Christy, have a great weekend. Thank you. That's our third call on the dish for Six Clicks. We had uh, calls in March of last year, July of last year, um, and uh, everybody mentions uh, different things. In fact, the March caller was talking about the ribeye. You heard. Uh, Heard Christy talk about the BLT Club and how great the fries are. All right, 210-599-5555, and Bob is on the dish. Happy Friday night, Bob. Happy Friday to you, Jack. Hey, Thank I, you. I'll go 13 miles down the road to a place called Sammy's in uh, Castor Hill, Texas. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's right across the street from Habies, uh, or I think it's Habby's or whatever, uh, pastries, uh, which mm-hmm. is great. Anyway, the What do you like to get at Sammy's? Uh, breakfasts, I normally go for breakfasts, and the breakfasts are really good by the times I've been there for lunches, and they have a good menu for lunches, uh, so it's it's a good little place, uh, it's, I go down there, to actually go down to the Walmart to shop, because I'm only 13 miles, and, and it's less crowded. Yeah, we've had calls on, uh, I didn't write down a specific uh, item, but we've had calls on uh, Sammy's before. Is it, it, it sounds like kind of maybe like a place that the locals go to, where it's like, you know, people that live there know about it, right? Yeah, they need to know about it. Um, but uh, me being, say, Highway 90 and uh, 1604, 13 miles down the road, uh, I go there for breakfast at times. And so it's, it's a good little place to go. And, yeah. Food and the service is good also. You mentioned uh, Habies, and they actually promote it on their website. So they are saying on their website, hey, it's right across the street. Check them out. So 202 Old Highway 90 for Sammy's Restaurant. 202 Old Highway 90 in Casterville. 
Bob, I appreciate you, sir. Thank you. Thanks for the call. Hope you have a good uh, 4th of July weekend. Thanks to everybody that called in on the dish. Don't forget, you can hit the Jack Chat line at 210-599-5550 if you did not get through. to respect New Yorkers as tough, thick-skinned, and gritty. Now we have become f***ified. <laughs> it's a damn shame. You heard of the Boston Tea Party? Well, this is the New York Pizza Party. Give us pizza or give us death. New York City is nothing without pizza. Oh. Yeah, except that guy was throwing pizza. I... I, I can't get behind that. I don't care what your cause is, man. I, I don't care what your politics are. You start throwing pizza, you've lost me. I'm out. The only place I'm throwing it is down my pie hole. All right. Um, by the way, on the JR poll, powered by River City Oral Surgery, do you buy fireworks for the 4th, or do you just listen to other people's go off? Uh, 90% say no, they do not buy fireworks. 10% yes. So we'll be listening to the 10%. I'm sure. Speaking of listening, we will be live. This show will be live on Monday. Uh, so uh, back live between 4 and 7 on Monday. And then there's some special holiday programming uh, in this time period on Tuesday. And then we're back again live on Wednesday. And don't forget, every time we do a live show, there is also a full episode podcast version of that show that you can get at KTSA.com the on-demand menu, or uh, look for the Jack Riccardi Show in other places where you like to get your other podcasts. And by the way, bear in mind that the, the podcast is not there the second the show ends. It takes two or three hours for it to populate or migrate or whatever it does. So like this show tonight wouldn't be available as a podcast till later on tonight. You could listen over the weekend. Or, or you might have just had your complete fill of me, and I wouldn't blame you for that either. I've had my complete fill of me. So... Um, one other thing I was going to um, mention in regards to uh, the weekend and the 4th of July and so forth and so on um, is that I thought on Monday we would talk a little bit about uh, the Declaration of Independence. I, I know in past years we've actually read it, uh, but I feel like that's, I mean, it's it's out there, it's available, everybody can get it, you know. Um but maybe just to make the point that it, it it wasn't the Declaration of Independence was not a document that gave us rights. It was the document that recognized the rights we already had before there was anything else. Before there was, you know, the uh, the Constitution or the Articles of Confederation. Before the Constitution before there was George Washington, before there were political parties, including the ones we have today, which were not the original uh, political parties, before any of that, before all of that, before, before our form of government or any form of government anywhere on earth, you had these rights. These rights uh, are your God-given, human, natural rights. That's the... That's the power of the Declaration of Independence. Almost every other document in the history of almost every other country is either a grant or a license to do something. 
we're going to allow, we're going to permit, you will be permitted, you are thereby allowed, you are thereby... This is saying you've had these, you will always have these. And they cannot be infringed. They are being infringed, but they cannot be infringed. So we'll talk about that on Monday. Um, I was also, uh, we were talking earlier about how this is the time of year uh, or the the time of the year three years ago that the COVID restrictions, the COVID craziness, the beaches, the fitness centers and all that were closing. And um, remember they were closing churches too. And it was pretty astonishing to me how how much people went along with that, how unwilling to question or test that we were. So hopefully we've learned a lot. Hopefully we're not the people of 2020 here in the year 2023. Hope you have a great weekend. Thank you for listening. Uh, Check out the podcast at KTSA.com. I'll see you back here live Monday at 4.